Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before You um, just humbled, God, by who You are. Lord, uh, You are such a good God. You're such a good Father to us. Truly, God, we're, we're nothing without You, God. Apart from You, we can do nothing. Apart from Your Spirit, apart from Your love, God, apart from Your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we're nothing, Father. So we come before You now as a congregation, and we say, God, speak to us. Lord, minister to us through Your Word. God, teach us something new that we didn't know tonight. Lord, may Your Word come alive to us. May it be as a a sword, Lord, piercing the hearts of Your people. God, if we come in with prideful hearts, if we come in with hard hearts, Lord, we lay them at the altar now. And we say, God, soften our hearts. Let us receive from Your Word. Your Word is alive. Your Word is true. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword, Father. So we ask that You'd come, that You'd speak to us, and that Your Holy Spirit would be with us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you guys want to open your Bibles to me, we're going to be... Jumping around a little bit, um, it's going to start in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And I've titled um, this message, um, Peter's Fall and Redemption. Peter's Fall and Redemption. So look, looking in Luke um, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, so you guys are turning, I'm going to read. And then uh, we'll come back and touch on some things. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Stop right there for a second. I think it's very interesting here in verse 1. The multitude, as you see, it says, pressed to hear the Word of God. Um, that challenges my own heart uh, in the sense of we need to be pressing into God's Word. Are we, are we coming, you know, are, these people, they weren't forced, they weren't obligated to come hear Jesus speak by the lake. And uh, it, it's, I just get this, this image, they're pressing, you know, on all sides of him. And really, he can't talk to all the people, if you can get that image with me. He's pressed against the shore, against the water, so he jumps in the boat so that he can be further back. And all the people are standing on shore so he can see everyone and teach the words of them. These people are hungry. These people are hungry to hear what Jesus had to say. They're hungry to hear the word of God. And that challenges my heart, and I, I ask that it would challenge your heart tonight. Because we so often tend to be opposite of these people. We so often tend to take God's word lightly. And we, 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 come, we come to the church maybe to put our time stamp in and to say, hey, I put church in for the week. Or maybe, maybe uh, just our own personal time with the Lord as we spend time with God and the Word in our home, in our, own, in our own time. Are we excited? Are we pressing? Are we saying, Lord, speak to me. Lord, what do you have to say to me? Lord, I want to hear from you. Teach me a new revelation. Show me something new from your scripture. We need to have that hunger. We need to have that thirst as these people had. And it challenges us. You know, my own life, I wasn't always too fond of the Word of God in the sense of, I thought it was boring. I've been raised um, for the most part. Well, actually, I have been raised a Christian, even though I've had my ups and downs. And um, God's Word was just kind of boring to me at times. You know, I'd be like, in my own personal time, I'd be like, okay, yeah, this is good, but this is not really for our day, for our time. What I used to tell myself until, you know, I really gave God's Word a chance. And I, spent, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to spend a few weeks every day. I'm going to dive into Your Word. I'm going to ask, Lord, that You would speak to me. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to read stuff that I would think was maybe boring. And before, before week one was over, the Word started jumping off the page. The Word started ministering into my own life and, and touching on things that only I knew about. The personal things, personal sins maybe. Things that only no one else knows about. The secrets you have in your heart. And God's Word puts His finger right on it and He addresses it. And, and now I can't, I can't get enough of the Word. I can't find enough time in a day to read God's Word with the busyness of work and ministry. And it's like, gosh, it's, it's hard just to get an hour in. Um, my own life, I, I struggle with that. And, and I encourage you guys, just... Be hungry for God's Word here at the church and in your own personal time. Press into it as these people were pressing to hear Jesus speak. Picking up in um, verse 4, When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came, filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. Um, stopping there for a second, we have um, 
despite Peter's misunderstanding, so we're going to start diving into Peter's life a little bit here. He doesn't really understand. Um, Peter and these fishermen, these, these weren't little kids. You know, these were men. These, were, these, were, these guys have been fishing their whole life. I, I imagine them being strong, you know, buff, if you will. And these guys are fishing. They've been fishing all day. This is their trade. So put yourself in the shoe. Put something in that you're good at, that you work at every day of your life, Monday through Friday, and you're like, this is my trade. And then here comes this guy, and he tells you, hey, you've been doing it wrong all day. Put your nets down. What? You know, like, imagine the doubt that would come just in a man's perspective. And Peter's doubt comes, and it even says, he goes, Lord, I've been, we've been fishing all day. He doesn't say Lord. He says, we've been fishing all day. And he says, but nevertheless, if you ask, I will do it. And uh, how, how um, in our own life, God asks us to do things. And uh, we make excuses. But we're maybe like Peter, in a, in a sense. And we say, okay, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. And we step, we take that step of faith. And maybe it doesn't go along with your schedule. Maybe it doesn't go with what you had planned for your life. But as you, as you begin to trust the Lord, as Peter, just, just the beginning stages, this is, Peter's only, this is his, own, his second encounter only with Jesus. He first encountered him um, with John. And he came and he met him and he said, follow me. And then now this is his second encounter with Jesus. And so he's kind of a stranger, I get the sense of, from what the scripture tells. Still kind of a stranger maybe to Peter. But he says, nevertheless, at your word, I will cast down. And he, and he, puts, and he puts it down. And um, I think it's also, as we read in verse 8, God blesses those who obey. He blesses obedience. God will pour out His blessing on your life if you trust in Him, if you obey the commandments of His word. It, he'll, he'll show you things and do things in your life that you can't even understand. There's so many things in my own life that I just I don't even understand how they happen. I don't even understand how they came out to play. But I just know, okay, Lord, I'm just trucking along here, trusting in your word, trusting in what you have for my life, reading this and feeling called to this ministry or doing that or start applying for this job or going on this missions trip. And God just, oh, so that's what it's like. That's what it's like when I obey you, Lord. You bless my life. You show me things that only you can show me through your word. You minister to things in my heart that only your word can minister. Only through the obedience of God's word. And not only is he going to bless your life, but he's going to bless those around you. What does Peter do? He calls for his partners in the other boats. Guys, get over here. We're sinking. We have so many fish. And he calls to the people, he calls to his partners and they come. And the other boats come and they're all sinking. So God doesn't only want to bless your life for your obedience, but he'll begin to bless those around you. In the same way, you're not so much a blessing when you're disobedient to those around you. When you're disobedient to God's word, when you're not walking in the ways of the Lord, other people close to you, family, friends, people that love you in the church, they start to notice it. And it doesn't bless them. It doesn't, it doesn't minister to them in the same way as when you're being obedient to God's Word. So God not only wants to bless your obedience, but He wants to bless your obedience with others. He wants to include others. And watch how the Lord uses your life mightily and shows the, the blessing of God will pour on you as you obey Him, as you obey His Word. Well, moving on now um, at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, "'Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord.'" Just to touch on that for a second, Peter and everyone that says around him, they're amazed. They're amazed at what the Lord has done. And what does he do? Worships. So what is our expression to everything that God has done? Because God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. He's rose the third day. He loves you. He pours out His love on us every day. He pours out His faithfulness. No matter how many times we turn our back on the Lord, God is there. He says, here, I'm waiting. Tyler, I'm waiting. Tyler, get your act together. Put your name in the spot. And he, and, he, and he he's waiting for us to come to Him. And He's waiting to pour down that blessing. And God is always there and He's always faithful. And so Peter recognizes that and he falls down on his knees and says, Lord, and he worships the Lord. That should be our expression. As we do music and praise and song, we should, our expression of worship should be that of nothing but the utmost respect for our King and gratitude for all that He's done in our life and He's going to continue to do um, in your life. finish up this passage right here and also uh, verse 9 for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken and and so also were James and John the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon and Jesus said to Simon do not be afraid from now on you will catch men so when they had brought their boats to land they forsook all and followed him so uh, just to sum up just that we're going to 
We're going to move here in a second, but um, Peter's excited. I, I see Peter, this being maybe a moment of salvation for Peter, and it's now he's going to become fishers of men, and he's a disciple of Jesus Christ officially, if you will, and he's pumped. He's like, whoa, this is awesome. And, and, and others around him, as it says, um, James and John also, they're pumped up to see what the Lord is going to do. And, and uh, as I said, we're going to be going through Peter's rise and Peter's fall and him coming, him coming into re- and redemption at the end. Of Peter returns to Christ. And this is the beginning of Peter. So as you guys track along with me, this is the beginning. Peter, put yourself in that position. When you first got saved, that excitement you had, that, that zealot heart you had just to be like, oh, I want to be a part of the ministry. I want to be, I want to go preach the gospel. I want to go save my neighbor. I want to go save that homeless guy on the street. And you're all excited and pumped up. That's what we're seeing. I, I feel Peter is experiencing right now. Now let's move on to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, verse 24. Matthew 14, verse 24. Let's, let's read it together. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I'm going to stop right there for a second. So we see in verse 24, there's this boat, the disciples are in it, and they're being tossed by the waves. Aren't we, how can we apply that to our lives? Well, aren't we so often tossed by the waves of life? Aren't we so often tossed by the trials of life? And then we see in verse 25 through 26, who comes when we're in the trial? Who comes when we're in the tribulation? Who comes when the waves seem to be overbearing and the walls are coming in on you? Who comes? Jesus. Jesus comes. And He says, I am here. It is I, the Lord. Do not be afraid. And He comes in that hour of need. And He comes in that hour when you need the comfort. He comes in the time of trial. We only see. We tend to see only the circumstances around us, right? Just as the disciples, just as Peter. Oh, the waves, oh this, oh that. Everything's going on around us. And oh, this, this situation and that situation. How am I going to do it? How me, me, I, I. When Lord says, you don't have to do anything. Come to me. Here I am. And He comes walking to His disciples on the water. What a picture. Man, I would have loved to have been there. What a picture. This Jesus walking on water. What a, one of my favorite stories here in the Bible. It's just when Jesus walks to the disciples on water. Now, um, reading on, I've read verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, it is you. Command me to come to you on the water. So Peter says, if that's you, hey, tell me to come out to you. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Stop there again. Um, This is awesome. I love Peter right here. Something the Lord ministered to me, He's been ministering to me through this passage, is that... um, Peter said, I love how Peter asks the Lord. I think this is very significant. Peter doesn't just jump out of the boat. Peter doesn't just say, oh, it's Jesus, I can just walk on water. No, he waits. And he says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. Um, Christ and God, and they, they want us to come. They want us to come, They, as in the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit... God wants us to come to Him. And, um, you know, Peter, he's, he's in the boat, and in the same way I see my own life, or you can see your own life, God's calling you to do something. Or maybe God's stirring up in your heart to go somewhere. Or maybe the Lord's just speaking something into your life, into your heart, about your job, about your family. But you're not really seeking the Lord. And you're not really waiting for Him to say, Come. And maybe you've, maybe you've experienced and you've learned the hard way, as I have, and you jump out of an impulse. And you jump into something that maybe wasn't the Lord's plan. And you say, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Just because you're like, oh, I think I should do this. Rather than being patient, which I think Peter is an example. And this is how it's ministered in my life. He says, Lord, if you say, if it is you, tell me to come. And God says, come. And Peter begins to walk on the water. What a picture. Not only Jesus, God in the flesh walking on water. But now a man, a sinner, just like me and you, is walking on water with Jesus. Let's move on. Um, verse 
Verse 30, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I love this. Man, I love this. Jesus... Jesus responds immediately when we cry out to Him. As it says there in verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched out His hand and caught Him. So what do we see? We see Peter. What do I see? I see me. I see Tyler. I'm going through... God's called me to do something. God said, go for it. God said, come. So now we're walking with the Lord. We're walking what He's called us to do. But what happens? The attacks of the enemy, the trials of life, everything starts to come in at you and you start to see the waves. And what do we lose sight of? We lose sight of Jesus. Peter starts to look to the left, he starts to look to the right, and he forgets that it's not him that's allowing him to walk on the water. It's not Peter in his own strength. Peter Peter wasn't the one that said, I'm going to go out on the water. Jesus said, come out on the water. Jesus has called you. God has called you to that ministry. God has called you to that work. God has called you to your workplace to minister to those around you. Not you, not me. We have not called ourselves, but somehow in the midst of life, we, we tend to imagine that it's somehow in our own strength we have to accomplish things. It's somehow in our own strength that we have to accomplish what God has called us to. And Peter's sake, it's, he somehow thinks it's his own strength that's allowing him to walk on the water. And he starts to get distracted with the waves. And he loses sight of Jesus. How important it is for us not to lose sight of Jesus. Not just in the ministry, not just, not just in your family. Every aspect of life, everything you do, your your workplace, your family, yes, your church, everything we do, we cannot lose sight of Jesus. Or what? We start to sink. But what happens when we sink? We call out to the Lord. Oh man, God, I don't know what... You sure you called me out here, Peter? You sure you called me... Imagine this is what he's thinking. I'm speculating. You sure you called me out here to walk on water? This is getting really weird. Now I'm away from the boat. I imagine he's, you know, whatever, 10, 15 feet away from the boat now. No going back. And all of a sudden these monstrous waves are coming at him. You sure you called me out here, God? Oh, the doubt, the fear. Sink, sink, sink. Losing faith. Losing sight of Jesus. How is that so much in my own life? How is that so much in your own life? God's called you to do something. God's called you out. And we, we get out there and we get discouraged. And the enemy comes and, and it feels like everything's coming in. And we kind of lose sight of Jesus and we start to sink. But what I love is that Jesus and God are God. He is a faithful God. And He is just waiting. Immediately. Not, oh, no, no. You need to sink for a little bit, Peter. No, you're crying for me? Well, sorry, you should have thought of that before you thought you could do it on yourself. No. No, immediately Jesus reached out and He caught him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for reaching out and catching me. Thank you, God, for being there in my time of need. Lord, when I tend to, tend to fall into the ways of the world and lose sight of You, and I recognize and I come to my senses, I say, Oh, gosh, save me! How quickly God saves us and He brings us right back up to the surface. He doesn't let you sink. He doesn't let you drown. That's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to sink. The enemy wants you to drown. The enemy wants you to get lost in your own self-righteousness and think you have it together and you can do it on your own. You could fight these waves. When, when Jesus is saying, just call out to me and I'll take care of it all. Boom. One second. You're out. You're out of the water. You're not sinking. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being there for me. Thank you, God, for, for being that faithful God that no matter how many times we tend to fall away from the Lord, maybe you've turned your back on the Lord, or there was a time in your life you can recall, man, you know what? That's so true. As soon as I called out to Him, as soon as I repented of my sin, as soon as I realized, I can't do this on my own, Jesus saved me. He gave me that peace that surpasses understanding. That's what the God, that's what the God we serve does. That's what the God we serve does, and that's what the God, God wants to do in your life, and I'm sure He's already doing in many of your lives. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, catching up, 31, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Verse 32. 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So just to reiterate what I had mentioned earlier, what happens? Jesus does something. Jesus works in your life. Jesus saves you. Jesus pulls you out of the deep. He pulls you into the boat. He pulls you into his boat. He takes you. He, sh- he hides you in the shadow of his wings, as the psalmist say. He covers you under, with, with the wings of eagles. He loves on you. He comforts you. Brings you into that warm place. Calms the sea. Calms the waves around them as they're in the boat. And what do we do in response? What do the disciples do? They worshipped Him. They fell down and worshipped Him. That should be our response to our great God. That should be our response to a God who loves us. To a God who saves us. To a God who is always there for us in time of need. You guys would turn with me to Luke, chapter 22, verse 31. Back to Luke. So, as you guys are tracking, we got Peter. Obviously, I'm, for the sake of time, there's no way we could go through the life of Peter. Um, so, I'm touching just on, on little stories here, here and there, that just show where Peter's at in his life. So, we had Peter, kind of a new believer, kind of excited, kind of pumped up, as I said, and now we had Peter. Okay, now you know he's been walking with the Lord a little bit, right? He's been kind of tracking with the Lord. He's seen Jesus do some miracles, and Jesus is walking him on water, but what? He's kind of, now the trials are coming. Now, the, maybe that, that infant stage of Christianity is kind of faded, and now you're kind of in what everyday life is, right? The struggles of everyday life, and it's not all hunky-dory and living on cloud nine. It, it, it's crazy. It, life, life gets hard. Life gets tough. And that's what Peter was experiencing there. And now we're coming to Luke chapter 22. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I think it's, um, I think it's awesome just right there in verse 32 how the Lord uses uh, the, tense, the tense that He uses saying is that, is that Peter will return. Right? He says in verse 32, But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me. So basically Jesus is saying, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. Satan has asked for you. He's going to sift you like wheat. But when you have returned to me... So Jesus is prophesying of his fall, and Jesus is prophesying of his return. Um, I find that very encouraging in my own life, that there's been times when I've fallen, and God's led me to this passage. Well, you know what? I can return anytime I want. I can come running to the arms of Jesus anytime I want. Um, he's, he, he, he wants us to come back to Him. And he said, you're going to return to me and you're going to strengthen your brethren, which we all, we all know Peter goes on to be one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Verse 33, But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you, before you will deny three times that you know me. So here we see, So we're, as we're tracking with Peter's life, as you guys are tracking with me, now what do we have? Peter's pride. Peter's pumped. He's relying completely on Jesus. Peter's going through life. You know, maybe the trials of life, the waves. He's walking on the water. Oh, man, this is weird. This is crazy. I don't know what to do. Jesus saved me. Jesus saves him, right? Part of his kind of getting a little, his getting a little um, wavery in his faith, maybe a little bit, not completely trusting the Lord. Lost that infant stage of Christianity that he was just so excited. And now what? This is just downward toll for Peter. Now we come and Jesus is saying, you're going to deny me three times. But why? But, but why is Jesus falling? Why is Peter falling? Excuse me, because of his pride. What does Peter say in verse thirty-three? Here you got Jesus, King, Lord, God, Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. Created Peter, telling Peter what is going to happen, and Peter wants to argue with him. What a guy, right? What a guy! He's going to argue with Jesus, and then, as I say, what a guy. I was, I was reading this and the Lord was ministering to me. Man, what? This guy has got, you know, he's got some faith. Or, or you know, he's, he's bold. And, and, and the Lord rebuked me as I said that, Tyler, you were the same way. And we are the same way. We challenge God's word every day. Well, I can do this. Does God's Bible really say that? 
Does the Word of God really say that? I mean, is this really a sin? Everyone else is doing it. Our society says it's okay. And we challenge God's Word. That's just the same exact thing Peter's doing. Well, yeah, Lord, you said you were going to do this, but... Or you said to do this, but, you know, I mean... Look at me. I can take, take care of myself. And this is where we see Peter. Peter, he, uh, he thinks he's the greatest. He thinks he's... He, you know, and they go on to... They go... I don't know if it's in this... Yeah, before that, prior to this scripture, prior in verses 24 through 30, you guys can read on your own time, the disciples are arguing about who's greatest. You know, you all know the story. The disciples are arguing, I'm the greatest. No, I'll never fail you, Lord. No, me, it is I, or this and that. And who's going to be at the right hand? I'm the best, this and that. And all their self-righteousness, and all what we can do, and all what they can do, and their own strength. And here we have Peter. Oh, Lord, I would never, I would never. After Peter prophesizing, sure enough, Pride comes before the fall. As soon as we think we've got it together, as soon as we think our walk with the Lord is tight, our walk with the Lord is good, we've got it made, you know, we're okay, life's going good, maybe you're, maybe you're in a season of blessing right now, maybe the Lord's blessed you and your family, He's best blessed your finances, you're happy to be at the church, you're involved in this ministry, you're involved in that ministry. You've been brought on maybe as a staff somewhere or part-time staff somewhere and your job's going great. You just got a raise. You just All these good things are happening. Oh, man. Look at how great I am. Look at how great I am. That is the tendency to all of us. For all of us. We start to think. We start to boost ourselves. Just like Peter. We read the scripture and we say, Oh, Peter, you should know better. But we're the same way. We are the same exact way. We, we tend to think we're something great. We tend to think that we're doing things in our own strength and that we can follow the Lord. And this is going well because of how hard I worked and how hard I tried. And we don't recognize it's all a blessing from the Lord. Everything you have, everything I have, everything this church is, is from God. There is nothing that, that my dad has done to make this church what it is. There is nothing that any of the assistant pastors have done. There is nothing that any of you have done to make this church what it is. It is simply a blessing from the Lord. It is all His. It is all His. I'll never forget this as a side note. Um, I came in, it was, we were here and I came into my dad's office over here. And uh, we were talking. I was in trouble for something. <laughs> Story of my life. Um, I was in trouble for something. Those of you, those, when I was younger, on another side note, go talk to Antoinette. Go talk to Antoinette. She knows me when I was Coward Chapel on a little tight. She'd have to go get my parents out of the service every Sunday. Your son, we can't control him. Oh, man. Go talk to her. She'll have some stories that I can't even tell you because I don't even remember. But anyways, I was in trouble for something. My dad brought me in his office. I don't know if it was... In, I wasn't necessarily in trouble. This was a couple years back, so it's not like I was a little kid. But my dad was giving me advice, giving me counsel. And something he said to me... Stick, stuck with me. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. People I won't even remember saying this. He's going to listen to the recording later. <laughs> He's going to be like, oh great, what's he going to say? Um... He said, you know, Tyler, this church, this church can run without you. I was like, okay, I get that. Let's understand. He goes, Tyler, this church can run without me. You're the senior pastor. Come on, Dad. The church can't run without you. Who's going to teach? You know, you started this whole thing. I didn't say that. I thought that in my head. I was like, wait a second. The church, can, the church can't run without you. I mean, I understand you need to be close to the Lord, Dad, but you can't just go. I mean, the church would die. But then I realized what my dad was saying. This is God's church. This is the Lord's house. There's nothing we as men can do. There's nothing we as women can do to keep this church afloat, to somehow manifest in our own strength that we can make something happen here. We can somehow grow the number of people by doing this event or having this fog machine on stage during worship. We've thought about it. No, no, we haven't. <laughs> no. If you haven't noticed, our stage lights are just outdoor spotlights, floodlights. We haven't got nothing special here. Because it's the Lord's house. And we trust the Lord to do the work. And what my dad said to me is, I've tried to apply it into my own life. I mean, even though my dad told me, you know, Tyler, the church can run without you, how much it more ministered to me when he said the church can run without him as a senior pastor. And... uh 
Oh Lord, that I would have that heart. God, I am nothing. I am nothing but a mere servant in Your eyes. Lord, I am a bond slave, as Paul says. I am slave to whatever You have in my life. Whatever You have for my life. I trust that You hold the world in the palm of Your hand. I trust that You can control any circumstance I may go through. That You're in control of it. That even when I'm going through something that I think is totally wrong and totally unfair, God, You're in control. You're taking me through that for whatever reason you see that I don't see. We don't see what God's doing behind the scenes. We don't see what He has planned. So here we have Peter boasting in himself like we've all done and thinking in his own strength he can somehow keep his faith. Somehow we think we can keep our Christianity going forward in our own strength. And that's when the enemy gets you. Gotcha. Here you go. Fall. And I, I, we're not going to turn to it for the sake of time but because it's such a common story. You all know Peter falls. Peter fails before the rooster crows. He denies Jesus Christ three times. Three times he denies Christ. Here we have Peter. No, I will never forsake you. I will go. I will die with you, Jesus. Peter, 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 Peter. Me, me, me. I, I, I. You've lost perspective. It is I who give you strength. It is the Lord who gives us strength. He's who we need to abide in. Apart from Him, we can do what? Nothing. Abide in Him. Abide in His Word. Press into His Word. And don't think for one second that it's something you have done in your own strength. Don't think for one second you can walk and you can somehow put on a facade that you've got it together. Because you don't. None of us do. I don't. We have to abide in the Spirit. We have to draw close to the Lord. John, if you guys would turn with me to John. Chapter 21. This is the last passage we'll look at tonight. Man. Verses 4 through 11. Starting in verse 4. So, actually, before I read, so we got, so you guys have been tracking with me, Peter's life. And this last, um, we didn't turn to it, but Peter falls. That's the fall of Peter. Starts off happy, starts off great, starts off, man, let's do everything, let's go conquer the world the same way many of you have started out, the same way I have started out. Then what? Life, Christianity, trials of life, temptations of Satan come in start to cloud our judgment, start to, we start to lose sight of Jesus slowly but surely, but no, but I'm still on, I'm still on, I hang on to Jesus, Jesus saved me, okay. So Peter's out, okay, so he's back with Jesus, he's good, but you know, what's going on here? And then what? Pride. Fall. Pride comes before the fall. And Peter falls and denies Jesus. So now we come. Peter's fallen away from the Lord. Peter's fallen away from Jesus. He's denied Him. And now we, we're coming to a scene where Peter, after he denied Jesus, you know, he, the guilt, the guilt of it all. You guys know Peter's life. Those of you who know, Peter just kind of just goes back to, to the world in a sense. He goes back to what he knows. He goes back to being a fisherman. So this great calling on his life, this great calling on his life, and Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And Peter's like, okay, let's go. And then struggles of life come, and there's great callings on your life, but the struggles of life have come. And it's all of a sudden not what it seemed, or not what you expected. How often is the thing the Lord has called us to not what we expect? Or maybe it's what you expect in the beginning, but once you start walking down that road, once you start going on the road that God has called you to, oh, I didn't think it was going to be like this. We didn't think we were going to be in... How many buildings? Seven different buildings before we found this building when we planted this church. My dad didn't think that. We didn't know what to expect. But what? Look what the Lord has done as we remain close to Him. So here we have Peter. He's fallen. And uh, we come to John chapter 21, verse 4. Read along with me. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore... 
Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 5, Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered Him, No. And He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment he put on his outer garment, Peter moved it, and plunged into the sea. Verse eight. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as, then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. So, oh, this is such a good picture. Here comes redemption. Here comes Peter's redemption, like I talked about. It's not all about the fall. We have Peter's redeemed. So we have Peter. He's gone back to the world. He's gone back to his trade. He's fishing now. He's out there. Some disciples, they're fishing. They're just doing their thing. They don't know what what happened to Jesus after he died. You know, a lot of them didn't um, believe in the resurrection until they saw him and so on and so forth. But anyway, Peter's out there fishing. And he finds out it's the Lord. And this is what makes Peter so cool. Because he goes running, and well, in this case, swimming, into Jesus' arms. Because imagine the guilt. Imagine the guilt Peter felt he's been dealing with, he's been wrestling with. He denied Jesus. He denied the Lord Himself. The worst thing any of us could do the worst thing any of us could do is deny the Lord. What, what worse is there? What, what else can there be? Once you deny God, how can He help, how can he help us? How can he, how can he minister to our lives? Well, God, no, I don't know you. I don't believe in you. As Peter did. Imagine the guilt. Imagine the thinking of, man, I'll never be used in ministry. Man, I'll never be used for the Lord's kingdom. Man, God could never use me. I've already denied Him. I've already slapped Him in the face. These are probably some of the things Peter's thinking about. And this is probably some of the things maybe you're thinking about tonight. Maybe you've thought about in the past. How can the Lord use my life? How can God use me for His purpose? After all I've done, after all, my past is way worse than so-and-so's and this person and that person. I could never do anything like this. I could never do anything like that. What does that come back down to? It comes back down to faith in ourself. It comes back to thinking, you have to do something thinking we have to somehow have had a good track record with the Lord in order to run to His arms and for Him to redeem us and save us and use us. It doesn't take anything of our own strength. It doesn't take anything you or I can do. Nothing. Just a simple attitude of, Lord, use me. Here I am. Use my life. Lord, I've done this in the past. I've done, you know, I've troubled, struggles with this. I'm working through this. I mean... You fill in the blank. You know some of the things maybe your past holds. And, and Satan wants to hold that guilt over you. And say, you can't be redeemed. You can't come to the Lord. You've turned your back on the Lord too many times. But what do we see here in Peter? Peter did the worst thing of all. Denied Christ. And what is he? He's redeemed here. He runs. He swims to the Lord. How awesome of Peter. Dealing with all that guilt. Dealing with the condemnation of it all. But when he finds out it's the Lord... You know what? He doesn't care. He swims to shore. Swims to shore. He just jumps in, loses all self-control, if you will, and says, man, I want, to get, I want to get to Jesus. I don't want to row the boat in. I don't want to wait till we get there with everyone else. I'm going to swim there. I don't care if I drown. I'm going to get to Jesus first. I want to get to His arms. What an urgency in His heart. And what does that bring us back to Just like we read in the beginning, the people pressing to hear the word. Peter, his excitement at the beginning, falls away from the Lord. And what does he come back to? Reliance upon the Lord. He needs the Lord. He swims to the Lord. He doesn't trust in his own strength. I need Jesus. I need the Lord in my life. How that needs to be our cry. How that I wish, I pray that it is my cry. Not just 
you know, casually, but that is my cry every day I wake up. Oh Lord, how I need you today. Oh God, how I need you to use my life. Oh God, how I need you to work in my life today. I'm in desperate need of you. Not, I need you on occasion when things are going bad. Or I need you because so-and-so in my family is ill in the hospital. Let's pray now. No. Constant. Constant relationship with our King. Constant relationship with our Lord. Peter, swimming to Jesus and is redeemed. And I love this. Because... um, Peter's so excited, right? Jumps in the water, swims ashore. But Peter not only is the first one to Jesus, but he's also quick to what? Obey Him. Maybe somebody, maybe you might have missed this or maybe you never heard this, but I, the Lord ministered to me and He said, I was just like, what? Check it out. Verse 11. Right? Because Jesus says, the first thing, they come to shore. Now this is the first words of Jesus after He said, you know, bring, cast your nets, bring the fish. Now they're on shore. Everyone's on shore now. Peter's been there a while. And the first thing Jesus says is, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And who? Who? Who goes? Simon Peter went up and dragged their, their net to land full of large fish. 153. That is a lot of fish for one guy to be dragging. It doesn't say he had help. I mean, you know... Maybe he had help, but I like to say, you know what? Peter's a man's man. He muscled this thing, and he was so urgent. He was he was just couldn't wait. Like I could just you just picture Peter, and here's Jesus sitting there cooking the fish. You know it says the fish was on the coals, and they come in, and you could just see Jesus. Peter's like, like antsy, like what, what, what? Get the fish! I'm on it. You know, gone. And he just just wants to wants to listen to the Lord wants to hear what the Lord has to say, wants to obey His words. You guys, we've got better than Jesus. We've got the Word. We've got the story of Jesus Christ in just the New Testament. And we've got the rest of the Bible. We've got everything we need. God says He holds His Word, the Bible, above His own name. He holds. He says His Word, He holds that above His name itself. We have everything we need. If we just simply obey it, if we just simply yield our lives to God's Word and let it be a mirror, let it reflect things in our lives that need to be changed. Let it sharpen us. Let it use let it, the Bible minister to us so that we can minister to others and minister the blessing of God's Word in our own lives. As we learned in the beginning, the boat was sinking. Brought The partners came and the other boat was sinking. God wants to use your life. But where does it start? And then where does it end? Obedience. Peter's life started in obedience. Okay, nevertheless, Lord, I'll cast down my net because you said. He falls. But where does it end? Back at obedience. Obedience to God's word is the key. It sounds cliche. It sounds like, yeah, right. But it is. We have everything we need. God's word is powerful. Like I told you, the words will start to jump off the page. It blows my mind. It literally blows my mind what God has given us in His Word. That we have the manual to life. Nobody else has it. We have it. The believers have it. We have the answer to life. How many people in the world, how many religions, how many... This and these people and that people, scientists, are searching for the answer to life. We got it right here. But what does it take? Obedience. It doesn't do anything to have it. It doesn't do anything just to have the Bible and say, I know, I know about it. I know it can change my life, but you know, I'm really stuck in my own ways and I really kind of want to do my own thing because, after all, following the Word of God and obeying God's Word, obeying God's Word, literally, Obeying every aspect of God's Word and not compromising is not easy. And my way is easier. So what? We do it our way? Or we find the things we like in the Scripture, apply it to our lives? No. We follow God's Word wholly. And we see Peter's redemption here. And just his excitement to obey God. His excitement, he's been redeemed. And you know the story. Where I'm, I didn't have it in my notes, and I wasn't going to touch it. But you know, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Uh, I'm, I'm, 
quoting, I'm not really quoting it well, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, he asks him three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So we see Peter's redemption. Jesus bringing him into flourishing. And what does he go on to do? We know Peter, an evangelist. But how is that possible? He's denying Jesus Christ. Well, how can God use your life? How can God use my life? I've done this, I've done that, I've fallen in this way and that way in so many ways. Man, if there was a book on sin, it'd be thicker than the Bible that I've done. Right? I mean, that's the, th- the lies of the enemy that come in. Nothing. God wants to use your life. God wants to redeem you. God always asking that we obey His Word. There was a time in my own life where I thought I could do ministry in my own strength. Oh man, learn the hard way. You cannot, we cannot do it. We have to abide in the Lord. I, remember, I just, there's, uh, I can't even go into details, be here all night. But I can just remember so many things in my own life. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can get up and do worship. I can get up and lead worship. I mean, after all, I can play the guitar and I can sing. So, I mean, yeah, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, I'm doing that sin. Yeah, I've, I've gone this way. and I'm not really reading my Bible every day. But you know what? Who cares? I, I can get up and do it. I can do ministry. I mean, the people won't know. Oh, gosh. Man, is that the wrong way to do things? And man, did I have to learn the hard way. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot be like Peter. Even though so often we are. I got this. I I got you, Lord. I got your back. Me, me, me. I, I, I. No. Lord, I don't have anything. Lord, I can fall tomorrow. Lord, I can fail in this thing that I've been free from for ten years. I can fail tomorrow. Do not get confident. Do not, get, do not start to boast in yourself and your own ministry that you maybe accomplished, maybe even here at this church. Be careful. There may be some of you here tonight that think you're okay and that maybe you're letting your ministry cloud the people, the people around you. They're, they're seeing the inside, but God sees straight to the heart. I challenge you. That's not, I wasn't in my notes. I, just, there, I know because I've been there. There might be some of you here tonight that are serving in ministry that think you can do it in your own strength and to think that this secret sin or this secret that or this that, whatever it is, I don't know. God knows. You know. And God's putting His finger on it tonight and He's saying, uh-uh, not in my house. Not in the Lord's house. We are nothing. I am nothing. The church will go forward without you without the senior pastor without me God's church will move because it's God's church He doesn't need us for anything we need to come to that realization Lord here am I use me so what do we have here in conclusion summing up Peter's life here a little bit maybe and applying it to your life there's a few different people that you could be here tonight one you're recently saved, right? It's like Peter. Oh man, who is this guy? My boat's sinking full of fish. I want to follow him. You're recently saved. God's touched your life. Praise God. You're excited. You want to do, go and do whatever the Lord commands you, right? You're that person. Some of you are here tonight. Praise the Lord. What do, we, what do we do as a body? We come around that person. Encourage them. Tell them. Give them scripture. Give them passages to read. Encourage them in the ways of the Lord so that they don't lose that faith. They don't use, lose that zeal. Or your person number two. You've been walking with the Lord for some time now and are still serving Him, but you kind of lost some of the excitement. You've lost some of that zeal you first had, and the waves are causing you to lose sight of Jesus. So you're, you're like, now you're in, you know, rubber meets the road. And you're just down, you're in the nitty-gritty of it, right? Life. Life. I mean, that explains it all, right? Life. Explains it all to more to to you guys more than it explains to me, being that I'm not half the age and some of you guys in here, right? You guys are like, oh, this young whippersnapper, he doesn't even know what life is. You're probably right. I've got a lot of bumps to hit along the way, but I do know one thing: God's word is true, and I don't have to be 60 to know that. 
So maybe you're that person. You were walking with the Lord and you lost the excitement and now the waves are coming in. And you're in that stage of your life right now. You're in that stage of your life right tonight. There's waves coming in, trials, tribulations, and you're starting to sink just a little bit. Now's your chance. Turn to the Lord. Jesus, save me. Jesus, rid me of this sin. Rid me of this trial. Maybe the Lord's taking you through that trial for a reason. To develop you. Consider it pure joy, brethren, right? And James, when you go through various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Patience. Uh, it goes on to say, uh, and patience, if you let it have its good work, you will lack nothing. Something like that, I believe. Paraphrasing the end of that a little bit. You will lack nothing. If you let that have its first, if you let that have its work in your life, you will lack nothing if you stay close to the Lord. So maybe that second person, maybe the third person, you're beginning to trust in your own strength. So now you're like Peter. I got it together. Right? All these are like Peter. But this third one, you're like, No, I will never fail the Lord. I'm good. My ministry's strong. I'm strong. No, I'm not I don't even have any waves. I don't even have any trials. No, I'm golden. Everything's going perfect in my life, right? Think that you're something. And that the church of God is lucky to have you. Man, we're so lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you here tonight, so don't leave. You can never fail. You're strong. You, you, you. Or I, 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 right? We begin to trust our own strengths. We got it together. We got it made. We've got this going. We've got that going. Maybe you're sitting here tonight, and maybe Scripture is rebuking you in a sense tonight. Whoa, watch out. Jesus is saying through His Word, watch out, listen. Listen to what's being said. You're that person. No, not the guy behind you. You. And God's putting His finger on it tonight. You're that third person. And you think you got it together. Pride is there. You got the pride. Here comes the fall. It's inevitable. Turn. Turn. Turn to Jesus. Recognize, oh, I don't have it together. I can't do it on my own. I am really worthless before you, Lord. Or maybe you're the fourth person. Because of your faith in yourself. So now, you're already past that. You're like, Tyler, you know, that third person, that was me a month ago. (laughs) Right? That was me a month ago. I'm here tonight because I'm hurting. I need something. I need Jesus to reveal Himself in my life again. I need that, that, that um, redemption that you're talking about, that Peter comes to. And you're that fourth person. Your faith in yourself and your own strengths, you have fallen and realized that your own self-righteousness and gifts are not enough to sustain your Christian walk. And you come tonight and you're broken, you're destroyed, and you need to run back to the arms of Jesus. And stay there. Stay there. Run to the arms of Jesus and stay there. If you're that person, the Lord's ministering to you now. Let Him speak into your life. Let Him redeem you. Let Him give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. Let Him shape you, mold you, train you into the man and woman of God that He's longed for you to be. Oh, how He wanted Peter. And Peter comes running to him, and Jesus, yes. Finally, Peter, you get it. You have to rely on me. You have to rely on my strength, not your own. Let Jesus' love shower over you tonight. Do not leave here without experiencing the love of Christ. Without putting away the guilt and the whispers that Satan always loves. And this is just not for the unbeliever or the one that's fallen away. Man, Satan whispers stuff in my ear every day. You can't do that, Tyler. What are you doing? You can't get up there and do worship. You were in a fight with your wife earlier today. (laughs) It's okay. We're good. (laughs) No, no. We didn't fight today. Special, special, special watch. I was like, oh man, I was like, don't even talk to her. Just, you know, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't talk to anybody. You've got to be like prepped, you know. No, but I mean, seriously though, the lies of the enemy, Satan. Oh gosh, he wants to destroy your life. Satan is roaming the earth, doing what? Seeking whom? He's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He is out to get us. 
And He's out to get those that are in their own strength. He's out to get those that say, you've got it together. Don't let Satan whisper those lies into your ears tonight. Even as I'm speaking, you can't do it. You've got this going on in your life still tonight. You've got this and that. And you'd have to drop this. You'd have to drop these friends. You'd have to do that. You'd have to switch jobs. Or, you know, I don't know. You've got all these things. And that's Satan just trying to tell you, you can't, you can't become that Christian that Tyler's talking about tonight. You can't become that Christian that's sold out. Oh, well, what, are, what else is there to be? Oh, oh, okay. Let's be that lukewarm Christian that God wants to vomit out of his mouth. Forget it. I want to be the fire. I want to be that. I want to be that f- on fire for the Lord. Not on the fence. Not one foot in the world. One foot over here at work. You know, everyone maybe uses language or everyone talks about this stuff and haha, chiming in a little bit, but kind of awkward, right? Like I can't really laugh at that because I'm a Christian, but I don't really want to say anything because then I'm going to make waves. On fire for the Lord, obeying His word completely. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear only Father, Lord, we, oh God, how we need Your word. God, how we how we how we long to draw close to You. God, what truths does Your Scripture bring to us tonight, Lord? Just Peter's life, just touching on just small things in Peter's life, Lord, just to get kind of a picture of what kind of really all of us go through. God, we're just like Peter in so many ways. One of those four descriptions I concluded with, Lord, that's so much like us. That's one of us. One of those is us, Lord, and how we need to abide in You, how we need to come, and we need to... We need to come to the arms of Christ and we need to just trust in You and obey Your Word and enjoy the blessings that it comes with, Lord. So God, as we continue to have our heads bowed, I just want to give opportunity. Maybe, you're, maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're here and you're searching for an answer. And you recognize that the world really doesn't have anything to offer you and you've come to that realization and you want to give your life to Christ and you want to taste of that inner peace that I'm, that I'm talking about or maybe you're like we discussed tonight that fourth person you've been a Christian you've been walking with the Lord and you've been involved in this ministry and you've been doing that but then all of a sudden you trusted in your own strength and now you've fallen and now you're out of ministry maybe not even maybe you haven't even been to church in a while and you're just coming here and you're just limping in and you're broken and you're destroyed. And God says, that's right where I want you. Why? Because when you're broken, God comes in and He mends the wounds. His own strength is better than anything you did or could have done. And God wants to redeem you tonight as He redeemed Peter. This doesn't exclude anyone. This doesn't exclude anyone. Peter, one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, and he fell away from the Lord. It's not too late. God wants to save you. God wants to restore you. God wants to redeem you. He wants to pull you out of the water. He's just waiting for you to say, Save me. Help me. And immediately He comes to the call. If you're either of those two people tonight, either first time you want that peace or rededicating your life and saying, I've fallen away from the Lord. I'm not where I should be. And I'm going to cry out, save me. If you could raise your hand. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. I see that hand. God bless you. see that hand in the middle number of hands praise God anyone else just before I pray for these people I see the hand in the middle I see you ma'am here on my left praise God one last call anyone else let's pray Lord these people that have responded God oh God 
heaven is rejoicing now. The angels and the people in heaven, God, the cherubim, are rejoicing. These souls that have come and they say, Lord, save me. God, cleanse me. Lord, I don't want to do it in my own strength. God, I don't have what it takes. And I come to your feet tonight and I say, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with that love that He's talking about. Fill me with that peace that surpasses understanding. Oh God, that you would respond to them tonight. That you would shower them with your love. That you would come, that you would enter their heart. That they would lay everything down at your feet, down at the altar tonight. That they would confess their sins before you. That they would believe in Jesus Christ. And allow Jesus to come into your life and change you. God, that is our cry. These few individuals that have raised their hands, fill them. Hear their cry tonight. Save them. Thank you, Lord, for saving them. We don't have to wait till the end of the prayer. They're saved. Immediately, you have saved them, Lord. They are a part of the kingdom. Lord, we thank you. We ask that that work would not stop. Know, God, that this would just be the start of what you're going to do in their life. God, that you would transform them that you would give them the strength to deal with the things that they're having to deal with, that they would rely on you, that they would abide in your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these lives. In Jesus' name.